Welcome to today's episode of CLCI Live, brought to you by the award-winning and ICF-accredited school, Certified Life Coach Institute. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. We're talking about marrying your expertise and the coaching profession and how you can blend them both to support your coaching uh, career. And oftentimes we're told, you know, the client is the expert, but sometimes clients come to you because they think you're the expert in whatever field you're in. So how do we sort of manage that? That's what we'll be talking about today. So what is an expert in your guys' opinion? How do you, how do you define, or how do you know someone is an expert at anything really? Well, it often appears on the about me page where you are sharing what your expertise is on your website or you're in speaking engagements where you're up speaking about that expertise, you know, the wisdom, here's what I learned, here's where I can share. But you're asking how to combine it with coaching. Mm-hmm. Isn't there, there's a, I want to say that there's some sort of, definition as to what defines an expert um not to say that you know i adhere to it but something along the lines of doing a thousand hours of uh, ten thousand ten thousand hours makes you an expert it's malcolm gladwell that said that uh there you yeah go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah i want to throw that out there um before we went ahead and started asking the question on whether whether uh, or how to marry your expertise i mean he doesn't have to be the end all be all i would say on no, that no i don't i don't think so <laughs> But I think expertise, like, kind of, I mean, it goes, it literally comes hand in hand from the word experience. So if, if we're talking about marriage marriage stuff here, I will never, as, no matter how good of a coach I am, I'll probably never be an expert marriage coach because I myself don't have the experience of being married, um, which is kind of brings up a weird point. Can you be an expert marriage coach if you've never been married but have coached married couples for Ooh, that's a, hours i think that's question probably huh i mean I, I would say yes you could but i it just may be some doubt in your clients minds so <laughs> there's no reason why you couldn't <laughs> well it's kind of like when you go to a therapist and they they're you know they're niche is addiction but they themselves have never been addicted but they've done the educational work on it, right? Mm-hmm. Also, we should probably introduce Melissa Todd as well, an alumni with Certified Life Coach Institute. You Was it this weekend you recently got certified? Yeah. That was level two, though, right? No, I'm going to do level two next Tuesday. Oh. oh, fantastic. Oh, you will have an amazing time. You'll have so much fun with that. Oh, I was about to say, can you tell us a little bit about yourself as well or the audience too? Yeah, sure. Um, I, let's see, I'm born and raised in LA. I'm actually born and raised in Redondo Beach where, um, whoa, I'm blanking. (laughs) That's where facilitator Dan. Daniel, um, where Daniel lives. So um, yeah, so that, I thought that was weird. But now I live in New York. Um, I am a licensed esthetician. So in the skincare world, um, I've been a licensed esthetician since 2001. 
and I had my own business up until COVID. I had to shut it down. And uh, let's see. I mean, I'm also a certified yoga instructor. But, you know, getting into either one of those fields, it was all about helping people. And for at least a decade, probably a decade and a half, I've been wanting to do life coaching. I don't know what's taken me so long, but I finally got the certification and I feel like I'm almost ready to start. I say you're already ready. <laughs> I think I am, but I, I really feel like I want to do the second the second mm -hmm. course before I really feel ready. So I'm starting to work on my website and get all the stuff behind the scenes ready for it. Wonderful, wonderful. What is what is your indication of ready? Um, ready with my websites ready to go. I've completely settled on you know my niche, which I know is going to be several things because mm -hmm. I am an expert in a lot of things <laughs> through experience. Um, so, yeah, and uh, I know what you mean, Lisa, though, because you can really easily procrastinate on something like this when you're starting a new career. So I'm just trying to do, like, one thing every day to get me there, but I, I think I'll be ready in the next, to, like, launch or whatever. I'm hoping by mid-September, definitely by the end of September. Did Dan do his dropping of the pen versus not dropping of the pen? Yes. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. What words did I use? <laughs> Hoping non-committal words. Totally. Totally. Ah, you're right. You caught me. So um, what do you want to do? Well, I will give myself a deadline of September 30th. What do I want to do? Yeah. No, about what, yeah, you're hoping, so you deadline September 30th. Yep, I'm going to I'm gonna make that commitment right now. Okay. So we're talking about the wisdom and combining it with our expertise. No, I said that wrong. We're talking about the wisdom slash expertise, combining it with coaching. What, what do you think, Melissa, since you are our guest, mm -hmm. how do you think you might do that since you said you have several directions you'd like to work with in? Yeah, so I was, I am thinking, oh, I just moved to New York, so I, it could take a while before I'm licensed here as an esthetician in New York. Sometimes it can really take like almost a year to transfer that. So uh, my niche is definitely going to be, until I can maybe marry those two, is going to be um, self-esteem, I like the idea of makeovers, you know, um, so I'm a beauty skincare coach. So I love the idea of being a coach for like beauty from within and with, you know, within, how, how, I'm not saying it right. Beauty inside and out. I don't know. So I, I haven't worked out. That's what I mean by ready. <laughs> sure, but I sure. like the idea of combining those things because I think, you know, a lot of people, if they are in a, they're stuck or they're in a rut, or maybe I do have this idea of wanting to target women that feel like they're old. Maybe they've been married for a while. They have kids and they, they, wait, are you, you do you have my name attached to that? I'm old. I've been married for a long time. I got kids, grandkids. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was playing with you. <laughs> yeah. So, you're not old. <laughs> um, I just feel like a lot of wives and mothers 
I just got divorced myself, but that's another story. Um, but I think a lot of, especially mothers, um, tend to get caught up in the mom role so much because it is like the most important job in the world that sometimes they don't do as much self-care as they'd like. And I really want to help those women, especially even ones that maybe newly got divorced, their kids are grown, and they're just like, well, where do I start? Like my new life. So I love the idea of doing kind of like an inside outside makeover for them. So what you've shared with us so far is that you're an esthetician. As an esthetician, you have somebody laying on a chair, usually maybe laying down and they start spilling things. You're wanting to work with that person or you're wanting to work outside of that person or both. Yeah. I haven't really figured out how I'm going to combine that, those two things. Yeah. I just, the ideas there and I've read about someone in, I think London who does exactly that. She's like a beauty life coach. So she does skincare and this. I actually had a, we, I had a client for a while that was doing very similar thing. They were, she was, she was a hairdresser. Um, and she had her own salon and she became a life coach. And then she was like, okay, I want to, how do I marry these two? Like, how do I, but I don't think she was going to be doing their hair while she was coaching them. I don't think that was a plan. I think that she was more going to be, um, but she was still using them as a warm market. So she was still asking those clients because there is this sort of moment in those spaces where people open up. Um, and so it's like, it was a natural sort of thing for her to go from one to the other. She's like, how do I do that? What do we do? And um, so we just, it was a matter of getting her business cards and getting her the courage to share that information with the, her clients that she had that existed. Um, but she had even talked about doing some kind of program too, where like, you know, you, you do the makeover thing. And I don't, I mean, I think it's totally combinable. Um, I, is it still coaching is the question, right? I know, I know. So maybe I just separate them. You know, I, I just, because the more you just, even hearing you say that out loud, I'm just like, yeah, I am more interested in the coaching aspect, to be honest. I love doing skincare, but right now I definitely have a calling for coaching. That's where I think I'm going to make the biggest difference. So, so well, so here's the thing. What a good question is, how can you leverage your strengths and your the assets that you have in your expertise to help your business, your, your coaching business, maybe get a, a one step ahead of the game? Uh, let me ask that question again. Yes, of course. So you have, um, I, you have already established, I assume, in your business to some degree, some clients, and you have um, expertise in your esthetician business, right? Right. There are a way that you can use the the assets that you have in that business um, uh, to help get a step ahead in your coaching um, business, basically to give you a leg up, as it were. I mean, as far as like you were saying, a warm market. I mean, I could get my clients from there, you know. So and like really, when it's just like a hairdresser, when my clients are on the table, they're telling me about their entire life, and I'm I'm like coaching slash. <laughs> Yeah. advising right so i know that that part's not but um yeah that's i just feel like how i can get there right just reminding she has okay yeah so my clients are in la they're actually in chicago too i had a business in chicago for a couple years 
Um, but now that everything's online, I don't see that. Well, that's even better. Yeah. I mean, that would, I would think that that's a benefit to some degree because they, you can't be their esthetician necessarily, but this is another way that you can still work with them. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So many of my clients have reached out to me since I've moved here. They're like, when are you coming back? And just, you know, things like that. So it, this is a great opportunity to reconnect with them and help them with, I can still help them with their, you know, beauty questions and skincare questions, but now I can really help them with all those things that they were wanting to talk about while they were in my office. So what is the way that as coaches, we, um, we have this expertise and she, like she said, she can share tips and answer questions with regards to beauty. What is, where is that line that we are sharing? And when we are coaching, how do we use that and still remain a coach? Well, I think that might depend on what you actually market yourself as, as well. Cause if you're exclusively a coach, then maybe you don't really use any of those like sort of, tools like i'm telling you use this tool or here's some advice but we have plenty of people who come in through the classes who are consultants or their business owners or whatever and they use coaching as a tool for their already existing consulting business let's just say um so it really depends on that if we're talking combining the two yeah, no, that's kind of a hard question. Well, I think that, that I know Lisa said this many times before too, is, is that you can establish your expertise in your marketing. You can use that as how you sell yourself, how to convince people to come through the door. I have all this experience. I have all this. Um, but the hard part is, okay, wait, I don't use that in the session. And no, you do, but in a completely different way. You use it to help guide you to ask certain questions. And the, the, you, you, because of your expertise, you, you maybe know questions to ask that you wouldn't know um, otherwise. It's and that also, instinct. Okay. We're talking about the instinct that um, Brooke, who says her name is Jerome. <laughs> I am Jerome. <laughs> <laughs> so it is that piece where you will announce what you know, how you know it, and you're going to blast that on your about you because that's really going to resonate with your clients. Once they're in their seat, that's where your instinct, and for some people they like the idea more of intuition, but that's where that you will gather what they're saying and that organic question comes, comes up based on what they're saying, but also based on what you're hearing, what you're hearing and your instinct of what you learn allows that to get more um, precise, I guess I would use precise, or it gets right in there in the, in the way that the client goes, oh, let me think about that. They, you want to like stall them for a minute in a sense, because that's them showing you that, oh, I had I don't know how to answer that. Let me think about that. Right. So you're getting them to take their time to really find their answer and mm. that precise. And it's not necessarily precise, not the right word, but I can't think of another word that I would use and replace at the moment. That precise nailing of what that question is allows that client to blossom and expand in the way that without your coaching service, they probably wouldn't have done or it would have taken a lot longer. So that wisdom or that expertise helps you to identify and hear what they're saying. Yeah. And, you know, I was just thinking to narrow it down, 
I think what it is that I really would probably call it would be like a self-esteem coach. So helping rebuild women's, I, I think I'm just going to specifically work with women. So rebuilding a woman's self-esteem or strengthening it, what have you. And a lot of times that does bleed over into the, you know, appearance and beauty and aesthetics. And um, my yoga, my yoga experience, I can help them with that as well, you know? I think innately we can't escape the fact that our um, exterior to some degree is attached to our interior. If we feel good about how we feel on the outside, we feel better on the inside to some degree. Um, if we feel like we look like crap and feel like we, we tend to feel like crap at the same time. So I think while they don't have to be interlinked, they are to some degree, we just can't deny it as human beings. We like to put our you know, best foot forward on the outside and on the inside. So, yeah. and that's exactly it. Your best foot forward. It's not like I'm, you know, going to, you know, not everybody's going to be a whatever supermodel. It's just about bringing out the very, very best where that person just feels empowered and gorgeous and beautiful and sexy and all that, where maybe they put that on the back burner for a while, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead, Lisa. Uh, no, you go ahead. Anthony. Okay. <laughs> I'm ask, maybe it'll help the um, viewers as well sort of get a um, sort of live distinction between what a consultant would strictly do versus a coach. So, Melissa, if you were to just put on your expertise hat, you're not a coach, you're the expert and consultant, and I come to you and I say, Melissa, I'm feeling ugly and I, my problem is I've got under eye bags. What do I do? Oopsie. Well, yeah, I'm not sure. It looks like Melissa. There we oh, go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, is my camera grainy? You're back now. You're better. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. <laughs> so funny. I didn't know what to expect with this tonight. I thought we were just doing like a super casual. I didn't know we were going live and all that. Or I would have maybe put a little, you know, effort. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's what it is. <laughs> um, but Anthony, okay. yeah. Oh yeah. So back to the question again. Um, if I'm a client coming to you and you are only wearing your consultant hat, yeah. And I say I'm feeling ugly, and I've got some big old under eye bags. What do I do? Yeah. So I definitely would ask questions like about their sleep, about their eating habits about their stress and like work, what's going on, personal life. I would ask about that. That does contribute to that. Mm -hmm. And then I would suggest, I mean, honestly, if I was, if I really was going to incorporate like facials and things like that, mm -hmm. I'd want to do like a um, lymphatic drainage facial on them or something to get rid of the excess water. That's just building up. I would actually, I could teach them how to do it themselves even. Um, if it's so I want to know. <laughs> Not yet, Brooke. I'm trying to make a point. So what I'm seeing is, is that you're providing solutions and you're trying to figure out that solution and then you have the answer ready to go for them. Mm -hmm. Now, same question. I'm feeling ugly. I've got under eye bags. What do you, what do you, what can I do? Can you help me now? Coaching hat on. Yeah. Is Forget it coaching this. hat only or her combination? Coaching, coaching hat only. Let's do coaching <laughs> hat only. Yeah. 
So again, I would ask them to tell me about their, uh, I would ask them to tell me about what their, how their diet is. I want to ask Anthony, just ask him, just, just ask as if he were that person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um, so Anthony, let me just ask you, uh, how, how's your diet? Can you tell me a little bit more about like what you eat on a regular basis? Well, um, I eat lots of fast food. Okay. I eat irregularly. Um, so sometimes I'll skip breakfast. Sometimes I'll skip dinner. I'll have coffee. Um, you know, sometimes I get grease spattered on my face when I'm cooking and I just don't bother <laughs> to wipe it off. It's just, it's all over the place. I don't have a consistent eating schedule. Um, okay. But I, but I feel ugly though. Even if, even the days where I do do consistent eating schedules, I still feel like an ugly person. Okay. And then when I look in the mirror, I see ugly person. <laughs> this isn't funny. This is horrible. I know. <laughs> I, know. I, know. I, know. I don't ask for the viewers. I don't you understand. Anthony. <laughs> I mean, but, you should never let <laughs> Okay, Melissa, you're on, you're on. What do, what I do understand. Do? I'm, okay, well... I, I understand what you're saying. Thank you for sharing that with me. Um, okay, well, if there were things you could do to feel better about yourself, is that something you would want to explore? Um, yeah, that, that actually sounds really good because, you know, I, the point it, to me is feeling like I look good. Um, so I'm wondering what, what I can do to have better self-esteem. Yeah. And so that way, when I look in the mirror, I don't just see an oaf. I see someone I'm proud to look like. Okay. Oh man. <laughs> I just graduated you guys. <laughs> no, it's fine because you, you, I think you already did something that was really good um, as far as coaching when you sort of tied it to my feelings and, you know, if I wanted to feel good, what, what are things I could do or solutions I could sort of discover myself? Mm -hmm. You didn't just tell me the answers, which was to have a better diet, um, <laughs> which would have been the very obvious answer. Um, Anthony was baiting you, Melissa, too. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I knew totally baiting you. Deliberately baiting you, but I think you know you didn't take the bait, um, which was a very low hanging fruit, which I think a lot of new coaches would just love to take. Um, so yeah, I agree. I have to ignore that and sort of explore more. You didn't advise at all, so that's well done. <laughs> yeah, I might even want to just like ask, like, well, how long have you been feeling like this way about yourself, mm -hmm. and um, you know, dig a little deeper. Yeah. Um, maybe Jerome or Lisa, what questions would you guys ask me if I came to you with that with those same kind of questions? You're just a Looney Tune. I'm not asking you any questions. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. So I think what. Um, Melissa has done open that floor of well, how do you want to feel? How will you know the difference? 
Yeah. Yeah, I think I think developing um, some sort of plateau for us to gauge whether the session is successful or not needs to be established as well in this space, rather than just kind of fumbling around trying to right. assume we're going in the right direction, but we're not 100% certain. We want to just make sure with the client first. I know I was kind of skipping over the session contract bit of yeah. this. Um, maybe a question I would have asked is, what what does ugly mean and what is looking good and mean like sure i'm gonna play dumb and just try to get the client to like explore what that actually like entails and then figure out okay how at the end of the session can we know that any sort of work was done to get you to where you want to be um, that's great now here comes the difficult question how do you combine the consulting parts with the coaching parts? Um, I think just instead of telling them what I think they should do, uh, just digging deeper. I like what you said, you know, what, what does ugly mean to you? What would it look like to not feel ugly? Hmm. You know, um, how will you know when you feel pretty? Like, what does that look like? No, I, I, yeah, I'd have to just probably dig a little bit without trying to straight up say, mm -hmm. this is what you should do. Um, because there's so much that goes into someone feeling ugly. I mean, yeah, without going, even without going into the past, you don't even have to go into the past. It's like, mm -hmm. and, and actually probably those questions would, I would assume make them probably go into the past. And mm -hmm. then I can say, you know, how is that affecting you now and bring it into the present? Mm -hmm. See, I think that was a, a great instance of combining expertise with coaching, um, understanding that there's a ton of different things that can make someone feel like they're ugly. Like me, I just think if I stay in shape, I'm the hottest dude on earth. If I'm fat, <laughs> then I'm the ugliest guy on earth. You don't if have that to what realm I'm in. If that's where I'm at, then yeah. I mean, without that lack of expertise and, you know, beauty, uh, it might be difficult for me to come, come up with that question or just kind of probe a little bit deeper in that space as to what exactly ugly means to this person, because there are so many, um, to your understanding as an expert, there are so many different ways that you can feel ugly. Oh yeah. I mean, no, seriously, I I've had clients that are beautiful. I mean, like stunningly beautiful and they feel ugly. You know, they, their self-esteem is, you know, low and they don't feel pretty and it's, it's deeper, you know, obviously it goes, it goes deep and it goes to self-care too. Like it, how, what are you doing to take care of yourself? That are there ways that, you know, what things you can incorporate into your daily life that would make you feel better about the way you look? Mm -hmm. Sort of thought just sprung up. This is kind of overlaps really well with the um, sort of complimenting your client or saying good job because the client, if they come into you as an expert, they assume, oh, this person knows what beauty is and what ugly is. And it might be tempting for them to ask you, like, am I ugly or am I, have I gotten there yet? Or am I beautiful? Or it might be tempting for you, the coach to just say, what are you doing here? Like, you're already beautiful. Um, so, Validating. 
the validation. The, the validating um, because you're the expert. You, If there's anybody who can validate, it should be the expert. But maybe in the coaching sphere, we want to try to get away from that. Um, well, I'm not maybe. We do because then they're dependent on her, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anytime they want to know if they look good, they're going to go to her. Um, but, yeah. but the thing is, is like, seriously, and this might sound like a canned response, but like beauty is so in beauty is in the beholder's eye, whatever that expression is. If you, thank you. If you feel beautiful, I mean, you can be in, who's to say, right? Who's judging this contest anyway? It's like, if you feel beautiful and you love yourself, you are going to exude beauty. It's just, it's true. It's so true because I've seen it. I mean, I've seen people transform in front of me that, were beautiful that didn't feel beautiful and it's like it dims their light and then the opposite I've seen. So what's beautiful to you, you know? Everything you just said would be that's, really good marketing as well. <laughs> that's I don't remember what I said. <laughs> it's recorded. <laughs> well, and that's a great question though to ask, I think too, is what is beautiful to you? And if you had a client who wasn't feeling beautiful, the, one of the best thing, first things, most critical things you could ask, I would think, would be, well, what is beautiful to you? What makes somebody beautiful? Totally. Well, it's not somebody. It's well, you. Yeah. 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 When I mean, we could well, we could tap into the history of. But they may. But I would think if just a quick thought, like the with the the you may it might not it might be not behoove you to say just what is beautiful because i think if you put it attached to them they might go straight to like the well i'm not beautiful so i you know what i mean um so maybe having them define it i don't know um associating it with themselves i don't know it's a good example because a lot of people do think there's like objective standards Uh of beauty it's sort of up in the air to a lot of people like some people think it's purely subjective other people is like no there's beautiful people and not beautiful people i'm trying to be beautiful um so that might be a difficult client to sort of coach um because they have that black and white view of beauty um and i'm curious what kind of questions like you could ask them to maybe steer them away from that i actually liked brooke's question as far as saying well what makes somebody beautiful because I think if you're not feeling beautiful, it's because you're comparing yourself to somebody. Mm-hmm. Generally, they're comparing themselves to something or someone um, that they think is beautiful. So I think that's kind of, it seems like a good question to me to ask. What about too asking, um, uh, has there ever been a time that you have felt beautiful? Yeah, that, been a, yeah. totally, I like that. So that's what the, I was going towards the tap into the history, the tap back. Has there been that time as Brooke is brought forward? So there's a quick tap back, but we don't stay there. Mm-hmm. Bring it back forward. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, we, we, we asked that so that in order to explore that sort of definition, I felt beautiful. And then you would say, okay, so what was it that made you feel beautiful in that moment? And then it would be about bringing it to the the future or the now and and be like okay so how how do we get you back to that place where you feel that way again right right instead of asking like well what were you doing doing during those days when you were feeling you know and then you'd be staying stuck in that 
past conversation let's say mm -hmm. moving it forward i like that you can tap tap it like real quick and then come right back to the present with sort of the mingling in the marriage of expertise and coaching if i was a client of melissa i would assume she has lots of tools and lots of tips and advice that she could give um if a client comes to you and asks you like oh what kind of like things do you use or what kind of things do you use to solve my problems what do you do as a coach in that space that is a tough too because when you're talking about physical things right like there is very specific sort of things we can do i guess it's the same for for in, internal as well there's very specific things you can do and some work for some and some work for others so but um i i that is it would be interesting how to if i like anthony said if i went in there and was like i have bags under my eyes how do i fix that um well, how do you think you should fix it? <laughs> like, um, if she's an expert, it's just a, it could be an odd space to be in, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially, what do I do as far as like if they're asking me like skincare questions because that involves products. So I think my instinct here tells me at least that that it, it's that clear delineation and why it's critical, right? That that. <laughs> This is my, this is I'm offering coaching and this is what coaching is and you have that discussion prior to that and the, this is coaching is a very specific thing and can here I'm just gonna ask can you be um, I guess you could be oh, can you be like a physical beauty coach yeah I, really I don't know, know. yeah right I, I, right yeah that's challenging with the is physical beauty oh go on no go ahead Anthony. I was going to say with the fit, I mean, this might be a difficult example we're using because we're talking about stuff that literally affects your skin. And so that clear delineation is probably important for legal reasons. Um, they can't say, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of, well, what if, so this is, here's a thought um, with this, if you're going to do this and she's going to do both. So she had, I would say maybe you break your program or your, your, your practice up into two pieces and you have the internal beauty section and you have the external beauty section. And it's about getting both to match one another, you know, mm -hmm. make sure the inside matches the outside. Cause if you just work on one, the other one's going to be lacking. This is about working on both simultaneously and, and here you'll find the tools to do so. And you, I would just make sure that there's a very clear, okay, right now we're, we're doing internal work then we'll do external work next week or if you have a program or you know they can they can choose to attend a group coaching kind of thing or something um uh that's about the external um so i think i would just make sure there's a very clear delineation as to when you're doing which um but you could do both i just think that that has that clarity has to be there yeah that, that's exactly right you could do both keeping the contracts clear remember setting the contract of a session keeping it clear on what side of that fence you're working on yeah yeah no you, i just as you were as both of you were saying even um i what i would do is i would direct my client to like let's stay let's stay on topic here with the coaching as far as like getting you know peeling back the layers and then i would simply uh referral her out to my business and say if you want to go into deeper 
you know, then then make an appointment with me and we can discuss skincare then, you know. And you could do a similar thing uh, when you're doing your esthetician stuff as well, I would imagine. You know, I also life coach. Um, so if, if you know, you, we had a great conversation here and you can just have that card there, that card. Uh, feel free to, you know, call if ever you want to talk again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you have to do it with some finesse so you don't, it doesn't get too upsell or creepy. <laughs> but I think I mean, that could be like a good intake and like question and answer sort of thing where it's like, I'm, I'm explaining what life coaching is and what is life coaching versus what I'm doing now and what are the sort of areas that I cover in life coaching um, that might be beneficial to you. Mm -hmm. uh, and then if they want to, they can come back in. I don't know if you would be secretly or covertly life coaching them without their knowledge. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we all kind of do. Yeah. All of us do on some yeah. level. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to ask, would that be unethical? So you've got a, a client that's been coming for months and, you know, hey, you've been, you've been here for a few months. I've never once um, heard you say that you're beautiful or alluded to the fact that you're pretty is there anything else going on? Um, would that be unethical to kind of open the door to that conversation into referring out to, you know, your, your other business? You're, you're definitely oh, here. Point there. You mean if you're um, basically like baiting them, essentially? I wouldn't say baiting, but definitely it's been, it's been reoccurring for months and it's genuine curiosity. Um, yeah. Is that something you want to work it, on? Yeah, exactly. Melissa knows oh. she can help in this space. Um, would that be unethical? Right. And kind of open that door or I, should you make the distinction a, a bit more harshly um you does know, it hurt anybody to ask i mean i don't think it hurts to ask to say hey you know and leave it up to them maybe if you get like a, a pressure you know where you're like you should, um where you make them feel uncomfortable but i would say just feel it out and and just say hey this is something i do no pressure <laughs> um absolutely whatever. yeah i don't yeah I don't, I don't know that is a good idea i don't know about hitting the pain points that like because we, we, we talk about in marketing a lot when you're marketing online talk to the person's pain points yeah it seems a bit i don't know kind of unethical to like, yeah hey, you haven't said like you're beautiful well at all. yeah like, i think that would be hard to come bring up to yeah. begin with right I, I, might, I might i might use the terminology that they have been using right you a couple of times you've come in i've heard you share this x y and z I'm wondering, I do, I provide this other service. I'm wondering if that's something that might be a fit for you, right? You could go there. Yeah. I mean, that it does remind me of a specific client that was, is beautiful, really, really pretty girl. Um, and she would just talk about that she felt ugly and that she just didn't feel good about herself. And I don't think that would be, I, I, I feel like I would be comfortable saying, I would love to take more time and work on this with you because, and as an esthetician hat on, I could be like, because I think you're so beautiful. So I feel like there's something else that maybe needs to be uncovered here. So yeah. feel free to reach out to me um, if you feel like you want to work on that, but period, end of story. I, I think that's fair. That's something that we do. I mean, in, we're going to kind of do anyways, like when you're talking at some point, uh, it may be, more direct route, but I think it's a fair thing to do. Um, 
where I would say maybe no, no go zone would be um, coaching and then saying, hey, I also, you know, do skincare. If yeah, you, you like, look terrible. Definitely, you know, something that I don't, I don't think that's necessarily unethical. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think it would go back into my, like, my um, about me or my website or my marketing. It would be like beauty. They would see that. And if that was something they were interested in, they would already have read that on my yeah. That's that's one of the things I was going to say. One of the great things is you do have this expertise. It doesn't have to go by the wayside. You can use the expertise to to promote yourself, to market yourself, to so you can be giving beauty tools, tips, things like that. That sort of um, it's so the inside and outside uh, tip tools and tips and using your expertise in your marketing to give freebies to to give away for free essentially. Um, uh, and what does that do? It builds trust with people which will then make them more inclined to, to buy either side of the fence of your product, um, whether it be internal or external. But you can use all that expertise to be putting out, you know, tips and uh, tools and doing, you know, webinars or videos or how to's all, you know, use that yeah. to your advantage. And it's a great skill set to have. One yeah. thing in mind, there is, um, I believe it's called the angel theory where it pretty much alludes to the fact that if you are an expert in one field, people are going to assume that you're very good at a bunch of different other things. Mm -hmm. So just being an expert in one thing, it really can, it can open up the door for, you know, what other, I, I don't want to say side things, but things that you may be interested in, you know, going further into. Yeah. There is this girl on, I think, YouTube. I don't know what her name is. I know my kids watch her periodically who does makeup tutorials but she's talking about history and she gives the story around some history event while she's got them captured doing makeup. What about that concept? You doing a tutorial, something about skincare where you're talking about coaching and how, I don't know. Oh my gosh. I love that idea. Yeah. I love it. And I know exactly. I think it might be TikTok, but maybe it's oh, TikTok, TikTok. Maybe. Yeah. But I've seen that girl and she's doing her makeup while she's talking about like just random things in history. It's super inter interesting, but it is it boils yeah. it down to a minute. But um, yeah, I could see going over skincare tips, but talking about what makes somebody feel beautiful, like the deeper aspects to it. Mm -hmm. I um, I have a question, random thing. So a lot of time in this space too, there's a, probably a lot of people out there that are like, well, I'm not really, I don't know if I consider myself an expert on anything or, or um, they, they've got the imposter syndrome. Like, you know, can I really help anybody because I struggle with it myself. So does that make me an expert? Am I? There's people who are better at this than me. So at what point do we start deciding or on the expert hat essentially like do we say okay this is my expertise this is what i'm going to talk about um how when do we do that how do we do that and then and then how do we make sure that we feel confident doing that good question aspect of experts um and we often recommend when you develop your niche as a coach find something that you're already comfortable in and that you kind of know already. We're not saying you have to put 10,000 hours in to your, let's say if you're a marriage coach, you don't have to be married 10,000 hours to be considered an expert in being married. But 
there's some experience that needs to be required in the term being an expert. Um, how much? That's a. I mean, if I'm coaching an By invisible. Way, Ten thousand hours of marriage is just over a year. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was kind of calculated. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, that's it. Well. It wasn't even listening to Anthony. Yeah. It was just going, what was that? What would that calculation actually be? <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. Maybe marriage is a bad example because no matter what you're doing, you're still married. married yeah. yeah. You're not married when you're just in the presence of your significant other. So practice and dedication to be considered an expert the expert well, card part comes with experience there's somebody likely that you have more experience than right yeah. and it kind of it's what it happens is we're learning along the way somebody we feel like is an expert at one point maybe 10 years down the line we we're like well they really weren't so much as expert as i thought they were gonna be you know because why you've learned and grown but at that time you looked up to them right um and hopefully they've done the same um but uh so it's i think you're going to always sort of find somebody that's going to be looking up to you. So you can start to own it and just start to learn about it and put it out there. And I think the key is to just pick a thing and run with it. Um, eat, live, eat, and breathe it and talk about it and be passionate about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think experience is the best school. And for example, uh, you know, I struggled with panic disorder and, uh, agoraphobia for years and I basically like healed myself I just I don't know with a lot of self-work I came out of it and um, I am I an expert at it yeah <laughs> kind of it which would make me just so be able to relate and understand where someone's coming from better to be able to guide them and um, you know without telling them what to do but just getting them to uncover where it might be stemming from. But there's, a, I mean, so there are a lot of people out there and this is me because I'm with you, by the way, like I completely understand that, that somebody who has PTSD and, uh, uh, and also anxiety and things of that nature, it's, um, you when you don't when you're talking to somebody that's never experienced it they don't relate to you the same way as when you're talking to somebody that's experienced it because there's somebody who's experienced it they just you just have to say like one thing and they're like oh my god i know <laughs> um yeah. and there's a connection that happens um can uh, so so but there are a lot of people out there that would say well you don't have any training you haven't been you know you haven't gone to x amount of years of school and you know, got a degree in um, you're not a psychologist, you're not all these things. So how can you call yourself an expert? Well, I've experienced it. That's how I can call myself so an expert. Those people won't come to me then. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's okay. Those people won't come to me. But the people who read about it in my bio and see things that I've overcome and that I've triumphed over or whatever. And I think that, again, I've gone to therapists and tried to explain these things to them. Panic, the agoraphobia. They're like, uh-huh. I mean, they're like glazed over. They didn't experience it. They don't know. They're just like, oh, I, I remember reading in the text, the textbook about this. So they'll tell me some kind of a generic way to deal with it. I mean, not all, you know, some, some probably know what they're talking about, but I feel like if you've experienced it, you are better equipped to Put yourself in the, that person's shoes. 
I would say so. So, but then my next question is, we can't do that as a coach. <laughs> no, but um, I mean, yeah, I, I know, but you can ask the questions. You can ask the questions exactly. about, right. Exactly. To get them to get down to the layer of where you, might this stem from? Because you heard something because you've experienced it. You might hear something that somebody who hasn't experienced it wouldn't hear. And so then, you know, to ask in that moment, when otherwise maybe somebody wouldn't know to ask in that moment, if that makes sense. We call that the knowing. You have a knowing and, that, and you can understand it, but that's not something that you are going to even really tell your client in that knowing, but it is gonna provide you that space of knowing what that next question is based on what they shared with you. Yeah, good point. For sure. And their body language too. I mean, being able to read that, knowing, I know what that, I know what that look is like i know what that posture is and then just being able to bring that up and i noticed that your posture changed i noticed that you took a really deep breath how are you how are you feeling you know oh we have a question we have a question um how can i really coach not doing so much so there we go uh do you guys read it well, I, have a I have a potential client who is also who also has cerebral palsy my concern is she wants me to fix things how can i really coach and not give much advice from my own life situations and that's from valerie lawrence uh who will be actually be with us next week <laughs> hi valerie <laughs> um well, so answers anybody <laughs> oh, i was gonna say um wants me to fix things how do you know yeah. Right. And I assume we're not fixing, you can't fix the condition, but you, what thing, what you would ask, what some, what are some things you would like fixed? You're not saying that you can fix them as a coach, but you're first getting to what are the problems? What do you want to work on? What are the things that you want to be fixed? And then you set sort of the session contract. Well, how do you know that? what can we work on in this session that can be fixed and how will you know at the end of the session that that will be fixed? And you're sort of, you're leading them in the coaching direction by having them come up with their own solutions to these problems or fixes. I don't know specifically what that could possibly be, but I'm assuming it's sort of life style, maybe problems that come from cerebral palsy, but I would need more info. Um, I well, guess what sort of issues those might be. I have a question. The eighty twenty rule. We talk about this eighty twenty rule, right? Where it's eighty percent them, twenty percent us. What point does the eighty twenty rule come in, and how do we use that twenty? I'm not sure how to answer that in the moment. I think I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we can. We can take that. Oh, okay. Well, do you see what Valerie mm -hmm. said? She's come to yeah. me before. She wants to know things like how she can love and accept herself. There we well, go. That's I, just strictly coaching. You can stay yeah. in the coaching realm with that. For oh sure. boy, howdy, can you? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's easy 80 20 territory as well. So <laughs> it becomes you're asking her questions. She's come into you. She knows that you've exceeded and done amazing things for yourself. She wants to do that as well. You know, maybe it's a place where it opens up the forum. What did she notice there? And what ways can she approach things 
from that perspective and how will it help her perhaps, or what would her perspective be in her being uh, in that moment where she can be loved and accept herself? What would that look like? How does it even show up when she's expressing that to others? What does she look like there? Right, Getting her to talk about that space versus having to tell her I mean, really, you can't tell someone how they love themselves and accept themselves. They really have to come to that on their own. Mm-hmm. So getting okay. that exploration to occur. Yeah, so Valerie, so Valerie, what, what questions could you ask that would, would help her start to sort of self-validate instead of looking for to you for her to start to realize that, that it has to come from inside her? Mm-hmm. And what kind of questions could you ask her? Yeah. Now we're having a uh, coaching session to the chat. With, with the chat. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Like she said, fix, right? So I guess a question you could start off with was, um, you. I heard you say the word fix. Like, what, is that, what does that look like to you? Yeah. To be fixed. You could kind of start there. Mm-hmm. What needs fixing? <laughs> Um, what would it look like to you to be fixed? What does that mean to you? Like, help I hate understand. that word though. Like, as we're using the word fixed, like, it just makes my skin crawl. It makes it like nothing's broken. Nothing's broken. To be fair, that's like if a it's question. the client's word, we have to use it. That's the client's word, right? Yeah. So, the client's coming in, fix this. That's the word we use. Yeah. I would. Would it even be appropriate to ask why do you use or not? That's a why, a dangerous why mm-hmm. question. What makes you feel like less or not enough? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That might be a dangerous why question, but I would want to explore what, what is that word fix going on? Or can you help me? Maybe, maybe helping me understand so that we speak the same language. What do you mean by fix? Because or, yeah, help me understand what fix means or define fix for me. Yeah. What yeah. does fix look like? Or what is what is fixed? Or right. could you ask, could you ask me? I ask what's broken. <laughs> Can I yeah. ask that? <laughs> I, I, I would say it's basically the same word, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I fix me. Well, may I ask what's broken? I mean, that's a fair question, I think. <laughs> um, it's a it's yeah. also important to, to hold that sort of prees up presupposition of judgment where I immediately think fixing is a bad word to use. And we discussed that, like, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing to fix, but hold back from that judgment mm-hmm. and just sort of explore without putting your own sort of, you know, it, it's CLCI's fault that fix is a bad word. You fix a toaster. Like, <laughs> fix a person so it's kind of like what could you could you ask what story are you telling yourself that makes you feel like you're broken mm-hmm. can, can i don't know that i would go there immediately but down the <laughs> gather the story yeah i could see that being a good question because we haven't built enough if this is a well she did say it was yeah they had come to her before but the idea of going in that leap we want to have that rapport first yeah we want to have that um, connection and uh, trust really is what we're working towards so but i could definitely see that being a, a 
as I calling it, a nail against the wall question. <laughs> yeah. So final thoughts on our combining the two of expertise and coaching. We have just about four minutes left. <laughs> that, went, that went by very fast. Mm -hmm. yeah. That went by so fast. Oh my gosh. Do we have time for a speed round? A speed round of what? What are we going to do? Uh, because I wasted my time uh, typing it up in the graphics section, but I think it can be answered really easily. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> we spoke about, so just on the topic of expertise, we did speak about um, being an expert in general um, and, and, you know, kind of lacking that confidence to call yourself an expert. We also spoke about marrying, um, being an expert in a particular field with coaching. Um, so staying in that same realm of expertise, because I hear this question come up pretty frequently in class. Do I have to be an expert in my client's life to be a good coach? Um, and I see Lisa shaking her head. I think we all know the answer to this yeah. one. But I think it's worth answering for sure. They are the expert <laughs> in their lives. No, no. In fact, there's no way in any way, shape, or form could I be the expert of my client's life. I can only be you know, the expert. I laugh because maybe I'm not sometimes <laughs> the expert of my life. All right. The expert of I can understand what brought me to where I am, what I'm experiencing, just like our client only knows what brought them to where they are and what they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I would say really just short and simple. Being a good coach makes you a good coach. You do not have to be an expert in anyone's life. Well, and how do you define good? <laughs> Oh, come on, Brick. We got two of us. I'm just saying. I'm just existential, existential questions. How do we do? No, I would like, be existential. Well, how do you define my, my opinion on that is um, you don't have to be the expert in that person's life. But the goal of coaching is trying to get the client to realize that they are the expert. It's not you are the expert who's coaching them. It's you, the coach, are pulling this information out of the expert you're working with, and then they realize they have the answers. Why a niche? Why a niche? Because niche is for marketing. That is entirely for marketing. It's so that you can speak directly to your client and you can speak to their needs, and so that you can and you can connect with them, and and make that a connection so that then they come in and, and hand you. Uh, their money and so that you can help them um, essentially. And you have to be able to, you have to be able to relate to them and speak to them and speak to their problems and their pain points. And you can't do that if you're being generic and speaking to everybody at the same time. Yeah. yeah. One person. Yeah. People who pay money for coaching want a five-star restaurant. They don't want a buffet. No, they, I, they want the best meal for them cooked by the best person that can make it. Like that is the, yeah, in an ideal situation. They want uh, the example I, one example I give too is if you woke up and you were blind, like you could not see, would you go to a general practitioner? Would you go to an ophthalmologist that has cured blindness thousands of times? Um, or would you go to, you know, just somebody off the street? Well, an optometrist that gives. Yeah, I mean, all every single time you're going to pick the expert, the expert, the expert, because they have that experience and they've They've done it and you're just going to feel safer there. And so it's a similar thing. You're going to, yeah. you're going to have a specialty just like uh, an optometrist or an ophthalmologist would. Yeah. It's like you want your coach to be familiar in whatever it is that you need help with. You want yeah. them to be familiar in it on some level, whether they've experienced it, whether, you know, they're interested in it. I don't know. So that way you have that knowing, like Lisa mentioned. So you have the knowing. 
um, yeah. that, that that knowing exists of when to ask what essentially mm -hmm. that, that comes with that. But good is relative. I'm just saying. <laughs> yes, um, and that really that wraps up really well our uh, live stream today. Uh, we do have to go, guys. And Laura, yeah, she mentioned so that's where expertise matters. Exactly. I know we're fumbling a bit with that question. We brought it full circle. Exactly. We brought it full circle. So yeah. <laughs> thank you, Laura. Um, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Laura, and uh, thank you, everybody. For, uh, thank you. I, I'm not going to close off. You guys close. You guys close. Oh, and thank you, Melissa, for being here as well. Thank you Thanks, so much. My pleasure. It was amazing having you here. Thank you for all your input. We so appreciate all that you shared with all of us <laughs> in the Facebook wow. land and and YouTube land. And now you're famous. I'm just kidding. <laughs> is, there, is there anywhere people can find you, Melissa? If so, um, yeah, I, I do have a website, MDT Skincare, MDT, my initials, Melissa Don Todd. Um, and yeah, you can you can email me there and and get in contact with me there on Instagram too, whatever. Fantastic. Oh, I hope I spelled that right for you. <laughs> you did, Jerome. Thank you. You know, this was so much fun. I want to come back. We, well, you're welcome back. <laughs> we, we would love to have you back. <laughs> Especially after the level two, so we can hear your thoughts on that as well. Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome. Ah, you're going to love it. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. I can't wait. All right, Facebook and YouTube land, we're going to log off and we will see you guys next week, same time, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard, and we're excited to have you guys join us again. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Once again, this is brought to you by Certified Life Coach Institute. We're an ICF accredited school who certifies our life coaches in three-day online intensive courses. In addition to other podcast episodes, feel free to check us out every Tuesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube or Facebook for our CLCI Lives, where we get together and discuss various topics that are centered around sharpening your skills so you can become a better certified life coach. For more information, feel free to visit us at certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com. Until next time, be well.